This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and joined by the current TNA digital media and former TNA tag team champion, Crazy Steve. What's up, my friend? Greetings and salutations, everybody. Happy New Year, my friend. Even though we're almost at the end of the first month of said New Year, it's still a new year. I haven't spoken to you in a minute, so I think that saying rings true. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But we are not alone, my friend. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, we are not alone. We are also joined by Canada's hottest indie wrestler, whom you've seen in WWE and TNA, the Saturday Night Delight. Tyler Turva. What's going on, boys? <laughs> what the hot introduction there. How are you, my friend? How was your New Year's? Everything good? Yeah, that was a hot introduction. That's great. <laughs> I should bring you to I should bring you with me to show so that you can introduce me like that. That'd be great. Hey, I have, <laughs> you don't even need to like me. And you don't even need to pay me. Just get me a free ticket and I'm there, my friend. Perfect. <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh shit yeah it's been a while for both of you you guys have been here a ton of times not together this is the first time i've had both of you on at the same time but right off the bat steve congrats as of this recording it's going to be a couple of weeks but for us it's fresh you just won the tna digital media championship okay right off the bat what is a digital media champion and what is your duties as digital media champion I don't know if I have duties, but I definitely get free internet now. So, like, that's pretty sweet. Um, so, basically, the Digital Media Championship is TNA's version of the Television Championship, essentially. Right. Uh, with that being said, and, like, we, I mean, now of, uh, now is a great time to kind of explain this in any sort, but with the WWE... Uh, just announcing that they will no longer, as of 2025, no longer be stre- uh, streaming or, or broadcasting Monday Night Raw on cable television. It'll be just going straight to Netflix. Crazy. The Digital Media Championship is kind of akin to that. We kind of did that before it was a thing, honestly. But, like, it's again, it's our version of the TV title, whereas today's wrestling is not necessarily viewed through a television screen, and the majority of it is through. through viewed through our uh, cell phones or a computer screen, a point. thus uh, digital media championship. So just kind of rebranding the television championship and updating it more so than anything. Uh, yeah. So that's basically, that's basically what that translates into. Um, yeah. And that's awesome. And speaking of the championships and belts and the way it looks, TNA has always had, and now I'm, I'm so glad I get to say TNA again, because you know how many times I would like be like, uh, t- and then I would stutter the T and then say Impact. But now I could always say TNA, because I grew up with TNA. TNA is awesome. So fantastic. And we'll touch on that too, the, the rebranding and stuff. But TNA has always had awesome belts, like their designs from the X Division to their world titles. 
everything. Like maybe, I, like I'm not a big fan of what you guys think of the original NWA World Championship. I, it looks too small to me. It seems more like a purse than an actual belt. But that's my opinion. But TNA has had fantastic belts. What have been some of your favorite belts over the years? I'll start with you, Tyler, from any any, any organization or, or federation. I'm a big. I always love like the WWF Intercontinental, the retro one. Mm. Like that was my the first. Like the first one that I always liked, but sure. uh, it probably goes back to like when I was a kid. But uh, like of current belts, I really like. Um, I really like a, a few of the rebrands of the new TNA ones, though. The, I think I like the tags with the red strap. I thought that was right. cool. Yeah, that was not too bad. How about you, Steve? Uh, I'm I'm kind of in the same vein as Turva. Whereas if I think of like my favorite championship it's always the winged eagle me too i i love the winged eagle that's yeah. that to me looks like a championship that like if i was a wrestler i'd want to fight for that i that's something i'd want to earn whereas like the current uh championships within the wwe just kind of look like giant brands like here's our logo and it uh... doesn't necessarily the new one that they have with seth on it I, I see what they're going for, and I, I kind of like that design where it's not so much just plastered in your face like a giant branding advertisement, <laughs> right. whereas the ones that they've used in the past, they just kind of look like that, like just a giant, here's our giant WWE logo, there's nothing like really extravagant about it, it's just more of like, a, like again, like just a giant stamp or a giant brand. Um, it's true. But yeah, the Winged Eagle, and I mean, I kind of agree with what you're saying about the NWA world title. I think now, but when I look at it, it just comes with so much history. I know, that that's I, why. I automatically factor that into the design, and it <laughs> kind of somehow sweetens the view, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I, I never understood, well, maybe because it came after, but like even like that original U.S. title, the TV title, and even the titles they have now in NWA, they're all bigger than the world title. Shouldn't the world title be yes. the biggest belt that you want? <laughs> Essentially, that's kind of the idea. But again, like when you speak of them and that company, like you're bringing, you're not just bringing the title; it's the history that comes with it. And they're very right. big on their legacy, as they should be, of course, and their history. So I think that's kind of that's where it comes into play. Uh, to your point, if you are brand new to pro wrestling and you happen to stumble across the NWA and you don't know the history, mm. maybe that's maybe that's a factor for you when it comes to judging what the title looks like and how important you hold it standards but well that's a good but i think the nwa doesn't cater to new fans i think their thing is if you are an old school and you like the way it used to be presented and with a little sprinkle of today's factor come watch the nwa because we're full of history we have rich you could go back rick flair wrestled for like you can name everybody like you know what i mean and like people from like my generation like anywhere from mid 40s and up love that shit so it's like okay yeah this is a good alternate like it's map based good solid wrestling like so it's not i don't (laughs) think it's for this new generation tell you the truth You could be onto something there. I think if that is the case, that's a detriment to them because they should be looking to get new people because that's going to be who's watching the show. Like that's the evolution of pro wrestling. Where the, the if you love professional wrestling and you love the NWA, then you're already tuning in. You're already buying tickets. Whereas us, when it, and this goes to every wrestling company in the entire world, you are going to get your core fans. That circle of of people is always going to be there. Our job as pro wrestlers and as, as a company, regardless of the name that you want to put in front of said company, should be to attract the outside circle, the people who don't normally watch pro wrestling because I, we want their money. We want more people. Bigger gates means sure. you know more money, means better business for everybody. So that should be the goal for everything. And I mean, it's not just – got to look at today not just as it pertains to professional wrestling, but – our competition is every show that's on TV. That's so true. That's our competition. Yeah. It's not just TNA is competing with AEW or AEW is competing with the WWE or anything like that. It's to name your three-letter brand and they're competing with every <laughs> show on television because there's so many things to watch on television yeah. that you can easily just click. It's a click away. So that essentially is our competition. No, it, it's so true. And it goes to show even with like speaking of WWE, because obviously they have Monday Night Raw, 
what else is played on Monday? Monday Night Football. So whenever football's on, you always see the numbers slip, and it's not like it's another wrestling show, right? That's right. So there's a perfect example. It's so true. People do not put that into effect. They just think, oh, this, this, and that. But no, it's so true. Like you said, it's the circle, so to speak. But speaking of tradition, speaking of legends, a huge legend set to retire, have his last match on March 3rd in AEW, the man named Sting. Steve, you shared a locker room with him. Tyler, you played Sting. I think we touched on this the first time you were on the show. All right, Steve. Yeah. Let's start off with you quickly. Yes, sir. Thoughts on Sting retirement, your thoughts on him as a wrestler, being a fan, and also being his peer? Um, so, that's a, how do you encompass that? Uh, I know, it one, is good hard. for him, he gets to pick and choose, like when he wants to leave and when he gets to say goodbye. Uh, and I think a lot of us don't necessarily get that opportunity. Good point. Um, so, I think like there's something to that, and I think it's pretty cool that he's getting the he gets the opportunity to to bow out when he wants to, as opposed to when the business or life dictates that. Sure. So I think that's very cool. Um, for me personally, I was never like a Sting guy because I grew up with WWF. We mm-hmm. got WCW, but not so much later. True. Um, and so like, it was, yeah, he just, uh, like I understand the gravity of him leaving and i think it's cool that he's doing it in a different company as well to be fair like there'll be some people who might be of the opinion that he should oh it'd be awesome if he did it if he retired in wwe and whatnot but like sting has never been a wwe guy exactly i think it would make more sense even if he retired in tna versus wwe never mind a thousand percent yeah i would completely agree with that as well but I do think that it's cool that he's doing it in a different company because yeah. um, that will ultimately help that company. Uh, and I, I mean, like that's, that's only a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's very cool that like, I mean, he has people who he's worked with for years, like in Tony Schiavone and like, uh, and others who, who have worked for WCW mm-hmm. and that are, that will be with him during that final match and stuff like that all the way from like, uh, even their production team, a yeah, lot of the production cool. team worked with WCW back in the day too. So, yep. yeah, I think I mean, it's yeah. It's, I don't, what do you? How do you encompass a career like that within the time that even we're allowed to talk? You know what I mean? It's it's almost impossible to. Do and that, there's so many different versions of Sting too. That's the other thing, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Not all of them great. Well, of course. <laughs> I'll say I, I hated I hated Joker Sting. Oh, you did. Okay, we'll we'll get into that. Okay, how about you, Tyler? You yeah, played. Yeah, yeah. You got to play yeah. Sting in WWE when he made his appearance there and all that fun stuff. Did you have any interactions with Sting? Uh, no, I appeared because Sting didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, there were three Stings that night, so two. <laughs> yeah, I was one of three, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Sting was not there that night. Sorry, that was the. <laughs> pop the bubble there but i agree um, i do agree with steve though joker i was not a big fan of joker sting it was just okay. like it was too much of not sting oh and, like, gotcha to me and like sit like like i like, just like steve I, I was a wwf guy growing up so i had a i had a sting figure but he his sting the it had no articulation so he was just always pressing people or doing a suplex <laughs> and that sucked <laughs> that sucked when uh, Hogan could uh, could press him, slam him, leg drop him, and then pin him. So <laughs> that's hilarious. But the, yeah, but no, I thought um, like I I like that he's able to go out more on like the the way he should and the way he wants to be in being elsewhere. And I think like I think like when, when someone's had a career that's that long, mm-hmm. it's it's way better than just like I feel like in WWE you would just be like hot shotted and it might be like in the middle of a match where at least like this uh. way. Sting's probably going to go on last. Sting is the main event. Yeah. We're going to build this thing. Like, it's just going to have a different feel to it, I think, being an AEW, which is, uh, which is like, I think it's the proper way to send someone off. That's like, like one of the few people that have had a career that's even near that long. I know. And, and that's the other thing. Like, wherever he's gone, he's been relevant. It's not like he trailed off or anything. He's always been, ever since that first fight with uh, Flair, 
that's it. Skyrocket. He, and he hasn't really stopped. I know you guys don't think the Joker Sting was anything, but he still won the TNA World title. Like, you know what I mean? So, it still got him somewhere. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not that it wasn't uh, popular or over. It just wasn't... It wasn't, me, it wasn't my cup of tea. And I was I was doing Joker Sting when it was... That's true. Well, I was doing the Joker, <laughs> essentially, yeah. in 2008 when the movie was relevant. And uh... I was sending pitches to uh, TNA at the time to Vince Russo, who liked what I was doing and thought it was great and was like, keep sending me videos. And then in like 2011, Sting doing a terrible Jim Carrey impression (laughs) decided to be the Joker. So like, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, you know, Um, but it's, you know, he got it. I shouldn't say he got it over. Like Heath Ledger got it over. He just kind of piggybacked off of that, Um, which was essentially what I was trying to do as well. Don't get me wrong. Of course. I'm not trying to say I... Mine was better or anything like that. But I needed the job, whereas he didn't. He was just, you know. Yeah, he could have just been Sting. Yes, he easily could have just been Sting. You know, so, uh, again, not a barrel on the guy. And I am half-heartedly joking when I say all that stuff. But, yeah, (laughs) I'm not my my favorite. I always looked at it with, like, how, how dare you? You see, okay, well, here's my opinion. So, I didn't like when Sting joined the NWO. Like, I, I don't mind, like, the Crow Sting, but when he joined the NWO, like, something shifted. Like, you could tell. Like, I wonder if it's when he's playing these parts that he's not really that comfortable and it's not himself that sort of people notice. You know what I mean? Because I found that, like, the, the like I guess, after the Joker Sting was his best Sting, and obviously Sur- Surfer Sting was the best. Like, who, who didn't like Surfer Sting? But I found, like like how you said, like the Joker Sting, me saying the NWO Sting, I, I don't know, I felt like he was more robotic than anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, also, like, he, Sting himself, the character should be, shouldn't be hidden in a group. I feel like mm, he needs to be the center. True. You know what I mean? So, like, you got, and then, like, the whole NWO, Wolfpack, and Tomato Face Sting, all that <laughs> right? stuff, like... It like all of it is just kind of a blur because it just kind of got oversaturated at that moment. That's Not true necessarily too. that guy's fault, but you know, no, I mean? of course. Like he was definitely wasn't the center of attention where I think that character needs to be in the center, uh, you know, of a storyline or something like that. Not be. It was kind of like when the corporate, or when the Ministry of Darkness joined the corporation, they became the corporate Ministry of Darkness. Yep. yep. Uh, and like it was just too many people and like the undertaker's like off in the background and like it just didn't work it was kind of silly and yeah it just didn't work and i feel like the nwo is a victim of that too where just every week it was two or three more people joining and half the roster is nwo red and the other was nwo black and white and then you had like wcw and then somewhere there was the lwo that's right it just became too flooded with with all these factions that it didn't mean anything anymore. Kind of like today's wrestling with the amount of championships there are in in almost any given uh, federation. Like, you know, there's so many that it's hard to like, well, which ones, if there's so many, then it becomes less special. That's true. And then which championship is above the next? Okay. So here's a perfect example. Like in WWE's case, what do you think is higher? The United States championship or the IC title? The IC title. See, I would think so, but then you got the hardcore fans that'll be like, "Well, the U.S. title's technically been around longer." If you go back to the original, not in that company, though. That well, that's true. That's true. You know what I mean? And then you also have to look at like who has the titles and what kind of matches they're putting on. Yeah, uh, you know, and all that stuff too. So, like, and and don't get me wrong, the WWE is really good at hiding everybody else's history and just promoting their own. You know, that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, see, I see for sure like without a doubt like the US one is just like it's shit now like they just, it's just a fucking catapult that they do with it Yeah, like sorry but like you're just that's the first belt that people win now you actually have to like earn the IC true well especially what Gunter's doing with it too right that's the other thing they're making it more prestige right so you could see sort of what they're that's doing that's what I mean yeah no yeah. I no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And speaking of factions, me, me and Turbo were talking even before about factions where it's true. Like, you got to find that sweet spot with factions because if there's too many, it gets convoluted. But then, me, myself and Turbo, we don't like the three-man factions as well. To me, that's not a faction. That's 
that's a tag team sort of with a singles guy involved. Like again, you being involved in factions, obviously with the decay, the original incarnation, and then bringing it back again on, on your second time in TNA. What do you think about numbers in factions? What's, what's the sweet spot for a faction? It's not so much that there's a sweet spot. It depends on who you put in and how well they work with each other. Right? Oh, like me, okay. Rosemary, and Abyss gelled together so well, and that's what helped make it successful. Because there was no egos involved, and we all wanted, we were all working towards the same goals, and we were excited about what we were doing, and we gelled very well. Like there was chemistry there between all three of us. Right. And you could pair us up in whatever like whatever set of twos that you want, and you'd still get this special kind of chemistry. Um, and I was, it, when, when they wanted to, 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 to do the second version of Decay, that was one of my biggest concerns. Because mm. one, one of the core members of the group isn't there anymore, and right. now you want to add not one, but two more people. Exactly. And one of them, one of them I have no idea, in Black Taurus, I have no idea if he's ever seen what we've done in the past or if he cares of what we've done in the past. Right. He's just here to get a paycheck or anything like that. Like, you know, so like, and that, fast forward, that definitely wasn't the case. He had done his homework. He had studied. He'd done it. He had seen everything we'd done. He loved what we were doing. So it worked That's out awesome. quite well. Yeah. But again, it comes down to who's involved, how well they work with each other, um, and kind of also what they're given too. Like you can, you can get an awesome group. Like look at the New Day for example, right? They're a perfect example. When they first started being the New Day, everyone looked at this like this is not going to go anywhere. And they weren't given much either, but they made the most with what they were given, and now they're one of the most popular acts in professional wrestling and have been for several years. So good point. You can have, you know, you can you can have your. Tully's and Arns and Ricks and you can have your four horsemen but if you don't give them anything to like really sink their teeth into then no one's really going to know about it um, or give a damn so it, it, it goes both ways I don't know that there is a sweet spot or a number um, I will say that history has shown us that like you can definitely go overboard with the numbers <laughs> exactly. You know, you can add you you can definitely add too many people, and then it doesn't matter how well they get along or how well they gel together because it's just it can just become a convoluted mess. Right. Um. So yeah, there's there's definitely a sweet spot, but I don't think it necessarily like if there's an odd number like three or you know five or something like that that it's a death sentence by any stretch. What about you, Turva? I know we touched on this a little bit before, but what, what, uh, do you think the same way as Steve, or do you actually have, like, it should be four or five max? I think, like, I, I definitely agree with what Steve said, where, like, when you've got, like, in his case, like, when there was three, because each one was so strong individually that they were even better as a group, like, that's huge. Uh, I think, I think just right, right now in wrestling, I think, in, in certain companies, like there's a lot of groups of three that are just so weak because it just seems like everyone's friends because mm-hmm. they're not they're, they're each not enough on their own. So like it, they don't they don't necessarily add to the group to make like the group better. So it yeah I definitely think like yeah it can be done with four it can be done with five. I definitely think like even sometimes five can be overkill. It depends on the on the company. But uh, yeah, I've always thought I've always thought like there's like I like parts of three when it can all work together and you get a good mix. But if there's a weak one in that three, like you can really see the holes in it. So then, then there's just like one weak link. So then it seems like it should be a tag team. No, that's a good point too. And in my opinion, I love factions to death. To me, it's the greatest thing ever. It harkens back again to the attitude era, what I grew up with as well. Right. But I like it also where you don't really have a faction, but you have this like cluster of, uh, wrestlers that just hang out together in the backstage come out every once in a while they're not really like again a faction but you see them on tv tag help each other out like why not have more of these things as well because then you, they're not committed to each other they could help each other but then they could splinter off and do whatever they want and they don't have to do that breakup story that we're always accustomed to i feel like um new japan does some does something to that that's degree, true where like where you have camps, you have your factions, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every time you see one, you're going to see them all. Exactly. Right. And I, I do, I agree with that. I kind of like that mentality of it as well. Um, 
of the idea. Like, like I said, like they, we, I, I represent this, but it doesn't necessarily mean that when you see me, all those guys are coming with me, but we do represent almost like, um, like the UFC, yeah. you know, they're fighting exactly. out of such and such camp. Thank you. Right. Right. I do. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea. I think that's a cool idea. I wish that the U S wrestling scene could adopt it a little bit better. Um, because I think there's there's some well there's some reality to that too because like I said like the UFC does that and um and, and you know so like it just makes sense to do it that way whereas I think oftentimes we get too we as in like the American wrestling scene get too carried away with like the same old tropes yeah you know no it's gonna be unpredictable and whatnot I loved when Tess used to run down and kick it, Edge in the face. And then Albert wasn't there, or Trish. So stuff. <laughs> That's a good so example. I, I like, like, I definitely like, like, separate run-ins as well. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, you sort of saw it a little bit with AEW, I guess, with whole Garcia and FTR thing now that's transpiring. And see, like, even stuff like that, like, even, like, when the Chris Jericho Society, whatever it was called, broke up, some of the guys still hang out together, but they really weren't labeled something, but they were just friends because it was from the outfall. Like, why not have a little bit more of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I agree with that. Right? Definitely, definitely gives a good mix too, like you're saying, because then you can always go back together. Yes. Or, or just like, or two of the friends are tighter again now. Exactly, exactly. Well, gentlemen, before we go any further, if the listeners want to support the podcast, please check out our sponsors. First up, firstrow.ca. If you're into collectibles, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from old comic books, new comic books, all the major sporting leagues, signed sports memorabilia, you name it, they got it, wrestling stuff. Best thing is they ship worldwide, even better. They update daily, so please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Final Fantasy VI, NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format, so check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in that description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store i got everything from hoodies travel mugs phone cases anything you need or want it is there but the easiest thing the freest thing to do to support the show is rate subscribe review on all major platforms most specifically apple podcasts tune in soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. radio so we've been talking about it we said tna throughout the show steve when did you find out this rebranding was about to happen was it the same time the fans found out or was there already inkling within closed doors that we were going back to tna uh, no, it was exactly the same time that everyone else found out about it. Oh, shit. They had, uh-huh, yeah, it was all kept hush-hush. Um, from even, like, the people who helped film that vignette, like, those are my close friends. And they didn't say anything. <laughs> not that I'm one to pry anyway. Right. Because the, the, re- the reality, it's not that I don't care, but I'd rather not know. Uh-huh. I grew up in a time where I, where almost on a week-to-week basis, you were surprised with something that was happening in professional wrestling. Right. The internet didn't necessarily ruin everything at the time. So Good I'm point. still that mentality, and I like when my pro wrestling surprises me. Um, the longer I've been in it, the less it surprises me. So I definitely like to chase those dragons. So I'm not, uh, I'm not one to pry. Uh, my thoughts and feelings of it, it's funny because they had a camera in the backstage area when they were doing this. So they okay. were filming the entire roster while they were finding out. And that video surfaced online and such and so forth right. and, like, I'm standing right beside the cameraman. So I'm not on camera. I'm standing literally right beside him. And I could see them setting up the shot while the end of Bound for Glory was taking place. So I knew something was going to happen. And I stuck around. And everybody in the locker room was, like, jumping for joy. And they're freaking (laughs) out. And they're all yelling. And, like, I didn't get it. I was like, okay, cool. Like, nothing changes for me. My paycheck stays the same. You know, like... It, it doesn't, it's not going to make a big difference to me. And I wasn't necessarily excited. I wasn't disappointed by any stretch, but sure. I wasn't like super pumped like everybody else was. So I took a minute to like step back and like kind of reflect on why that was. And it, to me, I come to the realization that like, well, shit, man, like I look around the locker room and like half, more than half of the locker room are all impact wrestlers. Mm. Uh, myself, Eric Young, 
Frankie Kazarian. There's that's only a right. handful of them that can say we were TNA guys. True. Because when I started, that's what it was. Right. You know what I mean? And so I guess like the excitement for a guy like a Trey Miguel who's who grew up watching TNA like I did and yep. like wanted to be TNA X Division champion. Ah. Some like now that that means something to him, right? Right. Um and so that's where I was like, I, I kind of I get it. And for the fans, from their perspective, I feel like because there was a there was a good chunk of time where the words TNA had a stench around them. Yes, the um, dark days. Through you know through the dark days, yeah, and <laughs> you know that's through Dixie Carter and Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and all these other you know other players that uh, that helped with that right and I feel like now that stench is kind of worn off and now yep. it's more nostalgia when people hear that they think oh yeah I remember watching TNA yada 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 right so I get it from their point of view now from the company standpoint the rebrand makes sense because even even when we were known as impact wrestling you would talk about to be when like you said that at the top of the podcast like you can say, oh, I watch Impact. I'm like, what? Oh, it used to be called TNA. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. I used to watch that when it was around, la, 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 la. Yeah. So from, the, from a name perspective, it's a far more recognizable name mm-hmm. for us as it pertains to our brand than Impact Wrestling is and was. And now all you can, like, it's happening currently in wrestling. Like, everyone's TV deals are coming up and everyone's shopping around for new TV networks. Yep. And so if our rebrand of tna helps bring us a better tv deal that i'm completely on board for that and i'm all for it right so from a business standpoint it makes sense as to why they would do this rebrand um it's it's kind of like a fresh coat of paint on the on the company but at the same time it gives you something that you recognize it's a perfect blend of something new but something that you recognize and if if again if the goal is achieved of like obtaining a better uh a better tv deal then great you know rising tide raises all ships so i'm definitely on board for for something of that nature no that's awesome and how about you trevor you weren't there during tna days it was only impact right well and i only had a couple matches like for impact but yeah mine were mine were only for impact since i think 2018 was the first one but but yeah they were all they were all impact but it's definitely just like Steve said, like it's it makes sense from a company standpoint that like now yeah fresh coat of paint and it's it's cool because it's created like completely different momentum like especially for fans so it gets them uh, completely interested in things and and then now they can yeah they get that sweet nostalgia feel because like everyone loved TNA not that they didn't like Impact but now right. it's just yeah whenever you can add like a new level of excitement it's neat to do that even even with like the roster and like there's I feel like. TNA's just been getting better and better over these last couple of years, and mm-hmm. so like it's it's neat that uh, they're shifting into TNA. So it's it's definitely exciting. No, it is, and even as a fan, like again, those iconic letters TNA and the way it looks, like that that edgy. I guess what, what was the movie at the time that came out that that Vin Diesel movie? It was sort of like the lettering. Triple X. Tri- thank you. Yes. So sort of that, like gotcha. like you know what I mean. Like, that was cool back in the day and stuff like that. And again, it's true. Everything you bring up with the memories of TNA, it's like that crazy three-way, the the cage matches, like those infamous matches that everyone always talks about. It's like, that's TNA. Like, and look, look at nowadays, like you said, it encourages people to get into wrestling. There's people on the Impact Ras- r- roster that watch TNA. And one of the biggest stars in the world, Will Ospreay, admittedly said he got into wrestling because of TNA. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, stuff like that is so cool. Absolutely. And it speaks to the footprint that TNA has left since, yes. its, uh, since its arrival. No, it's so true. It's so true. I love everything about TNA, to tell you the truth, from uh, from bottom to start. Okay, well, speaking of TNA, Steve, like I said, this is your second run. First time I talked to you, you were in between your runs there. You still haven't made a comeback. Now you're back. So many things happened in between. You had Wrestler's House. You said it. You were part of Decay. No longer part of Decay. Then you become a new champ. Okay, first things first. I have to know, because... I hate to, not that I hate to say it, but my guilty pleasure was Wrestler's House. That thing was fantastic, what you guys were able to accomplish during the pandemic. That was like fantastic shit. When this was presented to you, 
did you think that this was a demotion or were you like, fuck yeah, we got free reign, let's go for it? No, I was super excited. Okay, good. Super pumped. Um, it made sense to me, like especially with the cast of characters that they played with. It's not like right. Uh, not not for, not a knock against them, but it's not like they were having Josh Alexander in Wrestle House. <laughs> right. Josh Alexander's a wrestler. <laughs> yes. Right. The characters that they when they presented me with the idea of Wrestler House, um, and then I was like, well, who's taking part? And then they gave me the cast of characters. I was like, yeah. oh well, this makes it makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> and I thought. I mean, it was, it's creative. Um, I thought it was entertaining overall. And it was something different, especially considering we're in the pandemic. And there's no one to even wrestle in front of anyway. Right. So now is the time for us to think outside the box and try and create something completely different that people haven't seen anymore. And whether you Mm. liked it or you hated it, you have to at least give us props for having the balls to go outside the box mm-hmm. and color outside the lines, so to speak. Um, and it just kind of like, it was, it was also at the same time too, uh, like I'd done this stuff before with the Hardys and stuff That's like that. Right. Right? So I was like, they, they were doing this sort of thing before there was even a pandemic ever. Yep. <laughs> so, good point. Uh, you know, so I had experience with that as well. And I knew how much fun it could be given the right circumstances. Um, and they were like, don't get me wrong, it was a lot of hard work. Long days, I could a lot of hard work on everybody uh, from the entire, from the cast to the crew to everyone. But it was also so much fun because it was something a little different. And it gave us, um, again, a, just a different sandbox to play in, in both in, in incarnations of Wrestle House. So uh, I enjoyed my time. I definitely did. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, it was a positive experience it's a, and a lot of fun. Awesome to hear. Oh, how about you, Turbo? What are your thoughts on cinematic matches as a pro wrestler? I think it's cool. Like it's it's completely different. It gives it is a different feel. But I think like what's neat is it's it's a new way to get people like lost in and enthralled like into wrestling. Like sure. some like what's cool is like Steve has done. Like, like he said, like he's done multiple things now, like within, within the company. And he just like, he just keeps showing his diversity of like how <laughs> freaking good he is. Yep. And so it's like, like once I saw Steve the first time on Wrestle House, I was like, yeah, well, this is going to be great. So then like, that's why I'd watch it. And so, yeah, I've always like, I, I do like uh, cinematic matches, but I can't even imagine how long it all takes to film because I know that it's that's got to be extremely long days. Cause like editing, I know how long it takes to edit a highlight video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then now make that a 25 minute match or whatever it may be. Like you're not just doing that on one or two shots. It also speaks to what we were saying before about trying to reach that outside circle. Uh, So wrestling fans, I found didn't like wrestle host cause there was no wrestling on it. But you know who we got a lot of, like, feedback from mm. was the girlfriends of wrestling fans who were like, I don't like this show, but when that wrestling thing comes on, I like yes. to watch that. Good point. Because they care more about the drama that's going on behind the scenes or, yep. or whatnot. Um, and, like, if that caused if, – if that created new wrestling fans simply out of the ridiculousness of WrestleHouse, then we achieved something there. You know what I mean? Like – uh, and again, like even if even if it didn't do that, we at least had the balls to try. And what do we really have to lose? Because we were why are we going to go fall on our heads in front of an empty stadium anyway? True. Right? We're going to give you guys a little something different. And you still got pro wrestling. It's not yeah. like Wrestle House took over the entire episode of Impact, right? Exactly. So you still had fantastic pro wrestling, uh, and then you got something a little different. And I, we definitely got a lot of feedback from women and people who didn't necessarily watch wrestling beforehand so i feel like it definitely achieves part of its goal no and it does and people don't understand that part as well because it's same thing like i obviously people know i love wrestling to death my wife not so much she'll watch it with me she'll go to live shows and stuff with me but she won't go out of her way to watch anything so to speak but ask her who the miz is the who are the bellas Mm -hmm. who is Corey graves Mm -hmm. Like, she knows all those guys. Like, you know what I mean? Because she watches the reality shows. Yep. Like, same thing. Yep. She follows the Natty on Instagram. Like, but wrestling-wise, no. And now when we go to shows, it's like, oh, 
I know that person. We saw them on at reality. And it's like, well, there you go. And now she's invested. Yeah. So it works. Our job is to make a connection with the audience. That doesn't necessarily mean that that connection has to come through physical violence. Of course. You know what I mean? It doesn't. As long as we make a connection with you, we you know, then we've done our job. No, it's so true. And Terva, I got to give you props on this. Speaking of connection, my friend, you, the way you connect with fans at your shows when you're there is, is just crazy and mind-boggling. Like, I, I got to see you live this past summer. And thank you very much for coming over and, and meeting my father-in-law because he's a huge wrestling fan. You took some pictures with him. But... You wrestled at a flea market outside, plus 30 degrees, and then after the show, still stuck around to sign autographs, hang out w- with the fans. My friend, how are your experiences with the fans, and how much do you love talking to fans? I actually, yeah, that would, that day was actually really fun. I don't <laughs> wrestle, I haven't wrestled many flea markets or fairs recently, <laughs> and so it was like, it always brings me back to why I love wrestling, like, I, I even actually stood out before the show too and just like greeted fans to make sure nice. that they knew like where everyone was and whatnot. Cause like I've really tried to just like com- completely take in like everything of wrestling. Like sometimes I, you forget, you can, you can forget like why you fell in love with wrestling sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, and you get into all different head spaces uh, with wrestling, but like that day, it just like, I told myself, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make today the best day that I can. And then I'm glad that I appreciate like everything that you said, because that's like exactly how I felt that day. Like I was just, just on and really like, I got to have like really neat conversations with about like 20 or 30 different groups of people. Like it was pretty, it was pretty cool to take that time. And like, that's, that's also why we, why we do wrestle. Like we want to wrestle so that we have those interactions. And, and that's something that uh, for myself, I've like really worked on over, especially over the last two years is just like really taking my time and all my interactions and my relationships. And it's, yeah, it's really like, I feel like it's helped, helped translate uh, for me with just like a few different aspects uh, of, of my wrestling, but it's also like giving me some cool conversations and some great insight into just knowing uh, some of these people that I otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to probably meet. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't show that you're just there getting a paycheck and you're just phoning it in because like even during the match, like I, obviously you have more more leeway because it is at a flea market, so there's really no storylines. It's it's like a cold match. So when people are yelling stuff at you, you could yell back, and then you could get suggestions. Then you like the fan says chop them, then you chop like you know what I mean. So you get like that sense of interaction in sort of those smaller shows, and that again, that's what I love about wrestling is the back and forth. Again, the positive back and forth, not the fans who try and hijack the show. Let's get it straight. <laughs> yeah, it's great when the fan, the one fan starts yelling, like, I want to see a wedgie. <laughs> yes, that was that match. That's right, the super wedgie after. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being uh, two super wedgies and two stone cold stunners, and, and then we won one, two, three. <laughs> uh, that's fun. <laughs> but and the, but they, went, they went ballistic when that wedgie happened. Yep. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, good times, good times. Now, how about, this includes both of you guys. Any weird fan interactions? Because I, I know a lot of, and this includes, I think, yourself, Turva, and I don't know if you've ever done this, Steve, like selling used gear and then fans buy it. Like, I think that's sort of weird. But again, that's my opinion. Whoever does it, God bless you, and you guys get paid for it, so that's awesome. But have you had any, like, weird fan interactions where you're like, oh, hold, like, stay away from me. Like, this is getting too personal now. Yeah, certainly. Wrestling fans are weird. It's just that's the reality of it. Shit. They are. Um, uh, yeah, I've definitely had some weird interactions. I'm, I can't think of any that like kind of stick with me now. More so like the good human to human interactions. Those are the ones that I tend to remember. Good. Um, whereas like the weird interactions, that's almost every show. Um, <laughs> I think, like, one of the weirder ones, like, you're not weirder ones, but, like, when I think of a weird fan interaction, um, I think of, like, the, the people who just come up to your table and they don't necessarily say anything to you. Oh. They just stand there. And they're just there. And they're not there to buy anything. They're just there to stand almost in your presence. Oh. And, like, that can be really weird. Yeah, I um, could see that. Especially if they're not talking. And, and then if they have, like, a deep stare, oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple fans ask me to stab them with forks. Oh my god! Um, now that now that I'm kind of doing that, right? Um, 
So, <laughs> which I kind, I, I kind of, I, I thought that would be the case. I did uh, recently. I did a big signing uh, in at Wrestlecade, gotcha. and I was wondering if there would be fans who would who would ask me for such such a thing. And sure enough, there were. Of course, <laughs> um, of course. But, but uh, yeah. I'm trying to think about her like anything really strange or weird, but nothing really. Or you get the fans who don't know that there's like a line, not a, not a physical line between them, and the people, but a line between like me, the human being and you, the wrestling fan, Gotcha. who immediately come in and just interrupt your space, hug you and are up in your face and like, Oh, you should, I'll buy, I'll buy your dinner. Come over to my house. You should like, yeah, no, that no, is weird. That's very strange. You have to, you know, and I think about like these people only see me for like maybe six to eight minutes on their television screen once a week. Right. Maybe that's right. But somehow they develop this relationship in their head. Like they know you so very well. Yeah, and I kind true. of understand it. Like if you are a fan of uh, any particular podcast, like this one, even particular, if you're a fan of this podcast and you listen to it religiously, I'm sure that you feel like you have some sort of connection with our lovely host here because you hear his voice week in and week out. And, and as you, as you know, Steve, like you're, you're trying to attract people. You're not coming on here being grouchy. Yeah, you're, exactly. Uh, very approachable. You're a super nice guy. So like every time I mm. hear your voice, it's the same thing. It's constantly nice and this, that, and the other to the point that like you subconsciously, develop this relationship with this person thinking like, Oh yeah, we're best buddies. That's true. But that's not the case. No, I, I've heard this from other podcasters. Like, no, that is true. It, it, yeah. it is crazy. They think they're like your, your best friend and they want to be like the best man at your wedding and all this shit. And it's like, we've never had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying for me, I'm ne- nowhere near that status, but other people, yeah, that's, that's scary shit. That's like delusional, almost like scary type of like, I don't know, fatal attraction shit. Right. I guess so. Yeah. To a point. But like, I mean, it's you almost can't help it. Like I think of I know any like I think of any comedian that has their own podcast, which there's a lot of them, right? Of course, comedians are not like their their job is to make you laugh <clears> and make you feel good. So if they're doing that on a weekly basis, and you have been listening to Joe Rogan or Two Bears in One Cave or whatever the heck for years right. now, then again, like every time you hear them, it brings a smile to your face. So then you think of like, oh, if I ever saw Burt Kreischer in person. Like we're best buddies. He doesn't. He doesn't even know. But we're gonna get along just great. But that's you in your head. You created this relationship in your own brain. Right. Whereas Bert or whoever name your podcaster yeah. is just kind of they're doing their job. Exactly. I know it, it, it is a thin line. It is a thin line. How about you, Turva? Any crazy or weird fan interactions over the years? Absolutely, and that just <laughs> kind of like how Steve was giggling. Like, I think that's why we do this. <laughs> it's part of the reason. Like, you're like, well, what's going to happen this weekend at this show? Like, <laughs> there's always, and even if it's not directly to you, like, you might be standing beside the person that's having the swirly interaction, sure. and like, that's even better because then it's not to you, so you emotionally don't have to fully go through it, but you get to go through it, and you get to like help it get weirder or hurt it. <laughs> Jeez. That's horrible. Funny, but horrible. So, like, I was at I was at a show a couple months ago and I was uh, standing beside Heath Slater. Okay. And Heath Slater was having an interaction that was extremely awkward. And I could tell that it was extremely awkward. Right. But I, I let it continue to go on for an extra about two minutes. And I even gave him a wink knowing <laughs> that he knew that I was like, I know what's going on here. Love it. But the best part was when it like, so after it all happened, so like I stay, I didn't go away. Like I stayed there. So then I like, you can help it end sooner as well. Sure. But then it made us discuss it after. So then like, as the boys, like you get that laugh. So like, that was the best part of my day. Like I had a good match too, but like, like sure. The match was one thing, but the merch table was even more fun. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and yeah. You, like one of my favorite. And then sorry, one last one. Go for it. 
I've got there's this one guy who always comes up to me and he always tells me that he's engaged to one of the female wrestlers. Okay. But they had they've had two different female wrestlers every show for the last two and a half years. So like he's been, that guy thinks he's been engaged about twenty five times. God bless him. <laughs> and he keeps telling me how I'm gonna be his best man. See? So then I feel that he's like our bachelor party is gonna be so crazy. Oh. I'll never thanks again. <laughs> See, <laughs> you end up with sweet relationships with some of these fans, but like, but at the same time, I could be, I could be shitty about it. Well, but yeah. I'm like, no, I'm gonna embrace this because this is awesome. So, and then, so sometimes you kind of just like add a little fuel to the fire, and then it's oh, no. it's even more fun. Like, I definitely know, like he might like me for how I interact with him more than I more than I wrestle, and that's okay. Oh my God! Again, God bless these fans, man. You gotta love them. They are awesome. Well, Steve, you brought it up—the whole fork gimmick thing that you've been doing now, my friend. Okay, mm-hmm. first off, that Tommy Dreamer match. Whose idea was that for the bag of forks? Because that, again, doing stuff outside the circle—I've never seen a bag of forks in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we came up with that. I don't remember whose idea it was, but I feel like we came up with that together. Actually, it could have been Tommy's idea as well. That match in general, I uh, think we're both disappointed and happy with it. Okay. In the same sentence. There was a lot of uh, a lot of handcuffs on us for mm. that match in particular. For it being no rules, we certainly had a lot of handcuffs. Uh, and I understand. I completely understand. It was a little, little disappointing, but I think we maximized our minutes and did what we could with them. Sure. In ways that we were allowed, and in ways that you know the audience hadn't seen before, um, the fork thing just came out of nowhere. It was something that was put on me the first week that I kind of rebranded my character. We needed something as a like a period to the end of the sentence, from mm. a physical standpoint, as to what we were telling. Right, and it just got brought up. And then the next week, I came to TVs, and uh, my producer at the time was like, "All right, so where's your fork?" <laughs> said excuse me he said well where's the fork man that's your thing now right and i was like well no one told me this so we had to go to a restaurant and steal the forks oh my from god this restaurant so that we could do yeah i swear to you i swear that's funny um now i travel everywhere i go i have several forks all throughout my my bag just in case so it, it's uh again it was one of those things we didn't plan on being utilized as much as it is but it's True. just it's it is what it is, and so we're rolling with the punches, so to speak. Please tell me you're selling them as merchandise too. I ha- I am now, as of okay. like as of <laughs> now, I am. I wasn't before. Like the last, the last time I could have done that would have been at Wrestlecade in November. Okay. And Abdullah the Butcher was there, and he was selling forks. So oh shit! That's right. His, uh, yeah, was not treading on his yard. So oh, of course not. But uh, he he definitely doesn't. Uh, he's not on. Very and many shows that I'm on anymore, so I, I likely will be will be selling forks at your local uh, independent wrestling show at the merch table. I'm assuming. And Turva, have you had any hardcore or death matches over the years as well? God no. <laughs> have you seen any of his matches? I want to kill myself after every single one of his matches. Oh no! Every match he has is a death match to me. Oh no! <laughs> Steve, you're gonna need a waiver for all those fans that want you to stab them. I know, right? <laughs> no, I know. Well, you, you, you got to get the plastic ones or retractable forks. Like that, you could stab them. Oh, there you go. Right? There you go. And then they could bring them and then you, they could, you could sign them off and stuff. Perfect. There you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, guys. Before we, we end this off, again, me and Trevor talked before we came on how the Indie scene in Southern Ontario is thriving. You were a part of it at one point, Steve. Turver, you continue to kill it over here. There's just something in this water that produces fantastic res- Like Even look, like I said, the 401 corridor and whoever is part of Ontario knows what I'm talking about. Like half, I shouldn't say half, but majority of the roster is Canadian at this point. It's owned by a Canadian company. Like a lot of Canadian roots in wrestling nowadays. Now, in your opinion, gentlemen, goes for both of you. Who is uh, right now in the rest in the Canadian wrestling scene? Who is one of the unsung heroes that really people aren't talking about that should be talked more about? Uh, let me start by saying Tyler Turva. Thank you. And that's not a, let's not, I'm not. Uh, I'm assuming my check is in the mail, Turva, but <laughs> I'll still put you over. Um, honestly, when I I mean this from the bottom of my heart, when I say this, I've seen him perform at Impact 
he should be on our roster. Right. He should be in our locker room. I agree. He should be on every episode of television that we film. Um, and I say this from, yes, my opinion is biased because he is my friend, but I've also <laughs> watched him come up in the business from match number one all the way to now. I've seen his growth. I've seen him perform on a nightly basis. Uh, and he's And like from... If you're looking at a professional wrestler, that is Tyler Turva. He's a professional not only inside the ring, but outside of the ring. How he conducts himself. He's a fantastic human being. He's a great friend. He's everything that you would want in uh, in a pro wrestler. The only thing that's missing is the fact that he's not on our television screens right now. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. I better add another zero to that check. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and all joking aside, like that, it's the, it's the truth, and uh, it speaks volumes because, like you guys are saying, like the Ontario independent wrestling scene has always been very hot, you yeah. know. Uh, and that, again, that sounds—it's going to sound biased coming from us because we're all a part of it. But if you're not—if you're not seeing it and you haven't been there, then you really don't know. Um, but it is—it's—it's it's the God's honest truth. We just there's something in the water where we produce very very good professional wrestlers mm-hmm. uh, and Turva is one of those but he, he can also be a superstar which I think like there's a there's definitely a difference between being a very good professional wrestler and being a superstar and I think Turva can reach outside of that and has the capability of reaching outside of that and becoming a superstar from looks to how he cuts his promos to his pro wrestling to his his demeanor in general um yeah, and then he's not the only one by any stretch of the imagination. He's not the only one, just the first one that came to mind. Um, and I think I probably would have put your name in there, regardless of the fact that you're on the podcast or not. So, um, yeah, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> well, thanks, bro. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm speechless. You, Turbo, yourself. Yeah, yourself, though, Turbo. You see more Ontario independent wrestling than I have. Right. So like, especially in the last 10 years, because I've been living in the United States. So perhaps you've got different names than I do. Perhaps you have people that I haven't even seen yet that that could be, you know, spoken of the same way. So I'm interested to hear your take on it, because you're a little bit closer to the situation than I am. I think from yeah, from like a from a wrestling standpoint, like I think Tarek is a guy that is uh, is only gotten better and he's. He's got uh he's got an interesting following too. Like so many people, like they just love his matches. Like he, like it, the wrestling for that guy is just huge. And I think like yeah, I definitely think like a lot of people would love to see him with all different mixes of guys from all over wrestle. So like he's like that's someone that's definitely like gotten a lot more opportunities and definitely had like he's yeah he's awesome like i've wrestled him a bunch of times and every time i wrestle him i'm like fuck why didn't why didn't i get to wrestle him like a month ago or two months ago because like you just have it's neat like he's just he's good he gets it and he yeah like and he's he's part of one of those like yeah he's one of those guys that like just always wants to get better and like that's i think that's one of the things that i think that's that's what's kind of special about ontario is like like we're we're all okay with being told we need to get better even when we think we're at a certain spot, like everyone always just wants to keep bringing up the levels of, uh, mm-hmm. of essentially like the talent. And yeah, we're just, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm lost for words other than just like everyone wants to get better in Ontario. And I definitely think like Tarek's one of those guys. No, of course. And again, he has a connection with the audience. Who doesn't chant punch, kick, chop when he comes out? Like, you know what I mean? It's like perfect. Like mm-hmm. he's ready for TV. Another guy who's ready for TV, like off the bat right there. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that too. Even even in like, I wrestled Tarek several years ago, and then coming back to Ontario now for various independents and seeing him on the shows and seeing how much he's progressed is is awesome. I I can definitely speak volumes about that human being as well. No, and I'll throw in my one. Not that my opinion matters, but he's been on the show. I have to throw in Von Vertigo. What he's been doing too, internationally, locally, everywhere, this man's killing it. And so many people say so many good things about him. Here's another guy that should be ready to go and like tomorrow could be on TV. Yeah, he keeps getting better and better too. But yeah, he's done. And he's done like nine tours over in the UK, I think. Now. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, That's you know. Awesome. Good for him. Getting out there. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, gentlemen, thank you for coming aboard once again. Like always, it's been a blast talking to you too. Promote what you want to promote, upcoming shows, social media. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking to follow myself on the social of the medias, I am the <laughs> champion of all social media right now. Love it. So you should follow me uh, as I am your god and leader. Um, and you can do so. I'm not a big fan of X or Twitter. I, I'll use it, but I'm not a huge fan. But if you want to follow me on there, I definitely post all of my ongoings. And that is at Steve of Crazy. Crazy is spelled with two Zs. And then if you were looking to follow me on Instagram, I'm far more active on the old Instagrams. That is uh, TNA underscore crazy, again with two Zs, underscore Steve. I also have uh, my own wrestling school uh, located in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, it is known as Net Pro Studios, so please look up Net Pro Studios on any and all social media. If you are looking to be trained by myself or, or various other professional wrestling trainers, um, it's a new school that we just opened up. We're almost a year in. Uh, we're nice. always looking for new students. Um, it's a fantastic facility. We are located in what we have dubbed the Bobby Eaton Arena. Um, Bobby Eaton, a famous professional wrestler. If you don't know, you should know. Uh, we do our best to uphold the spirit and the life that Bobby had led from you know just his professionalism outside of the ring, uh, always having time for new students, always having time for anybody. Uh, we take pride in the fact that we are close with the family of Bobby Eaton and nice. the fact that his name is on our building doesn't, it's not just for the name. We're definitely trying to live up to what he promoted and what he put into the world of professional wrestling. And we are doing our best at NetPro Studios to do the exact same. And then, of course, you can always find uh, Crazy Steve merchandise on shop, uh, tnashop.com or tnamerch.com. Dot com as well as pro wrestling tees slash crazy steve you can find shirts and other miscellaneous merchandise there if you'd like to support and so if you're a wrestler and you are listening to this or you're considering being a wrestler i for sure would say that if i were in the states i would want to be trained by crazy steve because crazy steve is one of the few guys that ontario has produced that has been wrestling on tv but also wrestling on TV for a really long time. And that is not something that happens. And that's because Crazy Steve is really good at what he does. Crazy Steve is, can be a comedy wrestler. Crazy Steve can tear it up in the ring. That's why he's a digital media champion. Like, Steve is so freaking good, but he can do any style of wrestling, and that's what makes him so good. And so if, I, if you're thinking about being a wrestler, I would be trained by Crazy Steve without a doubt. So... Uh, as for me, I you can follow me on either on good old Facebook, uh, the odd time X, but yeah, just like Steve, mainly on uh, Instagram at Tyler Turva. And as as far as ongoings, um, yeah, I just post all my different upcoming matches, and then I'm, I am running a seminar in April. But um, yeah, if you want to follow me on any of those networks, social networks, then you can check me out at Tyler Turva. T Y L E R T I R V A. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and X under Finger Styles, or you can follow the podcast on X, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please support my fine sponsors, First Row Collectibles and Boss Fight Books. And please visit the merchandise store, rate, subscribe, review, all that fun stuff. And if you liked what you've heard and you want to listen and support other Canadian wrestlers in TNA, go back and listen to episodes featuring people such as PCO, Speedball Bailey, Cody Diener and Josh Alexander to name just a few alright gentlemen one last question before I let both of you go for today no context no reasoning you don't have to explain it who was your favorite opponent of 2023 oh shoot fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay okay jeez nah, I wasn't ready for that okay was my favorite opponent for 2023 uh that's a good question uh okay <laughs> off the top of my head i'm gonna have to go with black taurus okay favorite opponent for 2023 Perfect. um you didn't i mean you said no context needed i'm still giving you context with it i mean i teamed with the guy for three years we finally, we break apart. We have two fantastic matches. 
And I remember the first time he hit me, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is what it's like to be on the receiving end of this. For three years, I've seen this happen in front of me. God, I wish he was on my team right now because, oh, my God. But he was also somebody who, like, made me do things outside of my comfort zone. Sure. And um, and he was also somebody who, like, who, who paid it back. You know what I mean, I helped him achieve what he was able to achieve in impact at the time. And then, uh, you know, as I was transitioning into my own, uh, into my own thing, he was more than willing to help it and put me over in a way. And like, again, made me uh, do things outside of my comfort zone. And that helped me grow as a professional wrestler. So I think, yes, when you ask, you know, 2023, I got to put black tour roofs at the top of the list. Nice. Turva. Uh, mine would be, uh, from Impact, when I, in wrestling and Impact Wrestling against Brian Myers, oh. it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, the, it was fun. Cause, and what, what was it was kind of full circle because I got to I got to quickly lose to him in two minutes in WWE, like <laughs> like twelve years ago. That's right. So that was kind of it was kind of it was kind of cool. So for me, it was like a, a neat full circle of like, cool, that was then, and then now this is now, and, and that guy. That guy is the most professional wrestler, so that's... He's he, yeah, he's awesome. He's so yeah. awesome. And I feel like I feel like a lot of people pair him and Matt Cardona together because of their podcast, of course. because of their past. But I feel like if the more you start watching, especially if you're watching now, like Brian has stepped... He's, he has done this for a while, but he's definitely stepped out of any shadow that there may be if there is one that would revolve around a Matt Cardona um, and I think you'll start to see him really come into his own and and you'll look at him as like a singular guy if you don't already you're going to start looking at him as like a singles like main event player because he totally is he just hasn't got that opportunity yet but he will and it's it's coming very very soon I feel like because he's he's that good and he's so reliable and he, the idea of like the most professional wrestler is not it's not a gimmick. It's not something that he put on as a tagline or as a cool nickname. Like he lives up to that. Um, and it's super awesome to see. It's really, really cool to see his growth as well. On that note, he's Steve, he's Tyler. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.